designer. My name is Jake from Graphic Precision, and I'm here with my co-host, Carl, from Holy Carp Design. Good morning, Carl. Good morning. How you doing? I've got 21 on the brain. 21? Yeah, we're going to Foxwoods. Ah, ah, 21. Yes, I get it now. It's a little early for that. Oh, <laughs> cool. So you're going there for your bachelor party, right? That's right. Awesome. That'd be a good time. And also, play black. Play black on for, the roulette uh, table. Yes. So What's that, like a three-time payout? <laughs> I have no idea. I have the wrong person to ask about that. Yeah. yeah. But, all right, cool. Well, let's just jump right into it with design news today. So, as you guys probably can tell, I'm on this whole kick with accessibility and disabilities and stuff like that. And I've got another interesting article that popped up that is on design arts, actually out of the UK, which is kind of interesting. These designers have reimagined a wheelchair symbol to include invisible disabilities. And basically what they did is they took the blue with the white, basically, person, and they came up with a bunch of additional symbols to, or 29 to be exact, to represent different disabilities that are not as visible. And some of those include OCD, um, diabetes. I thought that was funny. The hearing impairment was one of them. Um, anorex, not anorex, anxiety, uh, all, all kinds of stuff. And it's basically they reimagined how this would look with that same style of the blue background with the white person. And I thought it was kind of interesting. It's, it's it's a really good way to get some awareness of these other disabilities that I think sometimes because they're what they call quote-unquote invisible disabilities, we don't really talk about them as much. And that's kind of what they were trying to do. So the project's called uh, Visibility 93, um, was set up by the team from McCain, London, many of whom who have loved ones with invisible disabilities and they basically wanted to come up with what is called uh isa which is let me get this right it is let me find the actual international symbol of access so they took the international symbol of access and they came up with these other mostly mental health issues to figure out how they could represent them and it's kind of cool because they even did a uh a project where they actually painted them into parking spots. So I thought that was kind of neat. You could see a photo of that on the link that I'll put in the show notes. Um, and it's just, it's an interesting thing that they did. I think it's cool that it's available for download. So you can actually get these symbols from them for free. Um, and part of it is to back up a little bit, the uh, head of art at McCain London, Dane Hotworth, said, the fact that ISA is 50 years old is a perfect time to start a conversation about change. These symbols are in no way a finished set. Far from it. We urge our peers in the design community to get involved, add to them, and help evolve the language we use to depict disabilities. So you got a chance to look these over. What do you think? I think they're pretty good. I mean, being diabetic, apparently I wear pants. <laughs> yeah, we did say that. Which is funny. Um, this is a great creative exercise for anyone to consider. You know, you take something that's so universal, the pedestrian symbol, 
and you're trying to apply different thinking to it. We already have the bias of the uh, the uh, symbols that we've seen, so we need to kind of educate ourselves on what these um, invisible invisible disabilities are, and then how would you visualize it? Um, so I recommend people doing this type of exercise, just rethinking the modern uh, symbolism of our world into different ideas. I mean, you could bring this further. You could recreate the pedestrian symbol and make it for space aliens or or for animals like pets what's a what would a disabled dog look like or something like that um, that's that's interesting that would be actually are, a cool project yeah these are just creative um ways to tease your brain into thinking about other ways of pulling new concepts about plus it's a great cause if you're if you're trying to um, bring more awareness around the stuff. You may not see these used in public, but they could help um, illustrate in a brochure uh, education, create educational moments for each of these disabilities. Yeah, I could see where somebody would use some of these symbols and, yeah, like you say, a, 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 a brochure that they're trying to get information across about bipolar or about food intolerance. The website is really cool. If you go to visibility93, the actual number is 93.com, you can actually go to the icons and hover over them and it'll tell you exactly what each icon represents. And then you can really get an idea of how they came across, how they came up with these. And you're right. It, it's a great exercise. And more importantly, it's a great way for them to bring awareness and really hone in on the fact that there are these invisible disabilities that we don't always know that somebody has so it's a really cool project i thought it was interesting yeah and it's interesting because if you click onto those icons they give you an education about the um particular disability and they also have shirts that they're selling that are probably funding the project itself i would assume oh um, man i didn't even know that yeah so that's kind of cool too i'm gonna have to buy the hearing impaired one yeah, the t-shirts coming. <laughs> t-shirts coming soon. Damn it! <laughs> now, the interesting thing about the diabetes one is the symbol that they have on the site has a waist-high pant line, and then the symbol on the shirt only shows them wearing shoes. Yeah, that's interesting. The shirts, and and I'm sure that that right there shows you that it's a project that's evolving. I'm sure that that might have been what the original symbol is because even if you scroll down on that page it goes back to the the full legs being filled in so i could see where that probably was the evolution of how that symbol came about they well, started be, with being that. ankle high socks i would understand because a lot of diabetics have special socks that they wear to um for their feet that's yeah. a whole neuropathy type of thing that's All really right. that's cool. So yeah, we'll we'll have a link to uh, I'll actually put a link to the article and then I'll put a link to Visibility ninety three in the show notes so you guys can find this. The show notes are actually at rookiedesigner dot com slash rd one seventy one for episode one seventy one. So what design news do you have this week? So GD USA is. Uh a magazine that we all can get as professionals. I believe it's still offered for free. So if you register for their um, magazine, you get annuals. Um, and they do this annual uh, for the, Ameri the American Graphic Design Awards. This is a, 
awards that are for graphic designers that submit their work for consideration. It's a juried show. Um, you submit your logo designs for the past year. Uh, there's a fee per piece. And then they, they may either publish your uh, logo within their annual or they'll send you a nice uh, certificate um, after the juried um, response. And you can celebrate that you're an award-winning designer with the American Graphic Designer Awards. They're in their 50th, 55th year. And I know I won one for um, Live Online Learning Solutions last at the last year or the year prior. And I think you won a couple too, Jake, right? Yeah, I've actually I've submitted to this probably the last 10 years. I've submitted at least the last 8 or 9 out of the last 10 um, and I've won probably six, seven awards, which is pretty cool to, to have that happen. And I've won them for logo design. I've won them for um, publication design. And I think those are the two main categories. I think I might have had one for another category. So just to give you an example, some of the categories, annual reports, calendars, direct mail pieces, infographics, uh, logos, like we said, newsletters, uh, posters, presentations. Um, students actually have their own separate category, which is kind of cool. Um, video, television, and motion graphics. So it's not just uh, print type of stuff. Um, so there's all kinds of websites, social media setups for uh, internet design. So there's all kinds of really cool categories that you could check out. It looks like that the early bird deadline is August 24th. And it looks like you get a 20% discount if you enter early. And then the regular deadline is going to actually be September 21st. So I, if you're a designer, I highly recommend you check this out. I mean, both Carl and I have, have entered and won, which is really cool. And then it's also really neat to see when the publication comes out to see all of the different designs that were entered and and you get it you get a kind of a really cool book that you can have as an inspiration when they put that issue out now this isn't the only competition they have so if you're into other things i think they have publication or no product illustration in-house design as well as its own yeah and then they also have medical field or health field designed specifically for that category so check out their other competitions as well but we wanted to let you know that they're 55th anniversary of the American Graphic Design Awards is coming up. Um, again, we'll have a link to that. Their website is gdusa.com, and we'll have a link to that in the show notes. I'll have to see if I've got anything to submit this year. I know. I was just thinking that, too. i got to go through my stuff and see what I want to actually submit. Yeah. All right. So we are going to jump into our topic, and our topic is basically – Saying no. No. <laughs> That's like my uh, nephew. He's he's two and a half, and all he says is no. But you know what? He needs to keep that for the rest of his life so he doesn't have to do work he doesn't want to have to do. That's true, yeah. And, you know, it's it makes it more fun for my brother. So, yeah, no. <laughs> it, it is funny because we do have this mentality in – the business space that you want to say yes to as many things as possible. While I do agree with that, I think you do get to a certain point as a creative where you do need to say no 
to projects because they don't fit what you want to do. They don't fit your budget that you're willing to do it for. So there's a lot of different things that may cause you to want to say no. So let me, let me share a story that happened recently to me. And it wasn't really that I said no to the project. It actually was I said no for another reason. So I had somebody come to me about doing almost like a rebranding. Like they had, they have a logo and they decided that they wanted to have the logo updated because they bought the logo through our favorite place, Vistaprint. And so, which I expect they will never be a sponsor of this podcast. So they ordered the logo through Vistaprint and they've come to realize that it does not translate well to other things that they're trying to do. And she came to me and said, hey, you know, this is the issue I'm having, and this is what my company is. And we had a really good conversation on the phone. And she said, so how much do you typically charge to do logos? And I told her, and we talked a little bit longer, and, and she eventually said to me, you know, i got to be honest with you, that that's, that's a little high. I didn't realize it was going to be that much. And at first I was like, okay, like, like anybody, businesses are trying to be frugal. I totally get that. But I've learned over the years of running my own business that I have to stick to my pricing, that I have mm -hmm. to stick to what I am worth. And so I, I honestly said to her, I'm sorry, but no, I am not going to give you a discount. And no, my price is not going to be any different than what it is because I want to work with the people that value what I do. Was that a little harsh? Maybe. But I'll be honest with you, I don't care because I want to work with people that value what I do. So that was a situation that really made me think about this topic is I wasn't saying, no, I won't do your project. I was saying, no, I won't give you a discount or no, I won't change my pricing. And that comes from the confidence in saying, I know what I'm worth. I know what I need to charge to make it a business for myself. So I did have to say no. Was that easy? No, because I don't like being that way, but you have to be that way in your business. You're in business to make money. You're not in business to make other businesses look pretty for no money. Like you're, mm -hmm. It's your job to, to make money. Right, and you kind of talked me off the ledge this past week too. Um, I, didn't, I had a customer that said the same thing. Uh, after I sent the logo questionnaire, uh, the response was, how soon and how much? And then they said, I just want a, a logo mark, not even text. And, well, and that was before they even filled out the questionnaire, wasn't it? Right. Yeah. Um, and so that was, you know, that was the alarm going off right there. How much, how soon? And, you know, there was, the word I gave it is they trivialized my craft. Absolutely. That, yeah. that is absolutely unacceptable for someone that's going to be a client that you actually want. Um, and I'm also not going to stress about it, whereas I'm going into a wedding and I'm going to be going to um, a honeymoon and I'm not actually turning on the lights again until after I get back. I'm leaving my computer at home. Good for um, you. Happy wife, happy life, right? Yep, absolutely. Um, <laughs> Send your that, emails to Carl, not me. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> that being said, um, I'm not confident that this person is going to have anything by the time I get back. So my question internally, internal dialogue is, 
do I reach out to them after I get back if they don't have anything? And do I say, hey, how's that working out for you? Do you want to actually talk about or do I avoid this client altogether because they had trivialized my field? Do I try and give them the education or do I try and just move on? That's well, here, where my here's... no that's where my no question is. Okay, so my question to you is what is the title of this section? Saying no. Saying no. Because I will tell you right yeah. now, absolutely not. You do not they don't deserve your attention like that. And at this point I don't feel like they deserve your creativity behind their brand. Because they're not willing to pay you what you are worth. They're not willing to work with you within the time frame that, that you're dealing with. And like you said, they've trivialized what you do. So why would you want to work with somebody? That red flag, like that's not just a red flag. I mean, that is so bad that, again, they're not worth your attention. You just have to step back and say, you know what? I gave, I gave him my answer. He wasn't happy with it. And that's that. Because, again, not every client is going to be what you want to work with. Not every client can afford to work with you. I know you have another project that you recently landed that is significant. And that that needs to make you aware that when you have projects like that that are paying you what you're worth, that are really – looking for your expertise and really value what you do, that these people that are in these smaller buckets and these smaller mindsets aren't worth your time. Now, with that said, I understand that when you're a new designer and you're new to business, you're basically reaching out and grabbing onto everything you possibly can to make money. I get that. And sometimes you do have to say yes to projects that aren't 100% what you want to do. However, you do need to balance that with making sure that you're not doing logos for $25 or for $5 and that you're doing things that will make you money. Because I can tell you that when you get tied up with these people that don't value what you do, now they want a business card design and they're like, well, how much is that going to cost and how much of a discount are you going to give me on that? And now I need a brochure done. Well, how much of a discount are you going to give me on that? That that mentality doesn't change once you prove your value to them because they've already set that bar so low. Right. So the no also comes up with um, clients that are both within your network, within your family, within your friends. And we've already talked about that before. Yeah. But um, you need to say no to devaluing your work based off your re relationship with the individual charge what you think they may be able to afford and is worth your time you know you can gauge your rates based off the size of the client and your your time but i wouldn't say you i wouldn't say you're paying this because you're within my close network yeah and there, there are times i know i've worked with clients that i see potential with that I may not charge what I normally do because I see the scope of where they're going, especially with very, very small companies that are just starting out. If I see a relationship there that could be long-term, I may not charge as high of a price as I normally would for an established company. Some people may not agree with that, but that is just 
of philosophies that I've had, and it's worked really well. Now, I do have to take into account that I may get bit by that, and it may not work out that way. But I've been fortunate enough that I haven't had that problem. And part of that is looking for those red flags, looking for those keywords that are like, yeah, that's not really a situation I want to get involved with. And and looking for the people that are going to support you as well. And, and part of that is, for example, I had a, a contractor who was brand new, was just starting out, came to me and said, hey, you know, I need help, but I don't have a lot of money right now. And I saw the potential of where he was going, and he was able to turn around and help me out with some projects around my parents' house that kind of balanced things out. So it was like I didn't charge him necessarily what I should have, but he didn't charge me what he should have either to do the work on my parents' house. So we kind of – not that we had a barter system, but it kind of was like a barter system. So there are times where you may want to be flexible like that, but be very careful with that, really careful with that. Um, There's other situations too where you may need to say no. It's not always about the customer not valuing what you do. What are what are some other situations that you've found where you've said, you know, I, I need to say no to this project? Um, when a client is lagging on their fulfilling their obligations to pay you, if you're on a longer like agreement with them and they're not hitting the benchmarks of paying you, at some point you have to kind of put up a wall and say, I'm sorry, I can't feed myself on this work anymore. I need to have work that is paying me. So, all right. One thing is just say no to not collecting some of that money up front. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But also know when you hit a mark where you need to say, I'm sorry, I can't continue work on this until I get paid for the work that we had already done. And this is kind of like a contracting type of arrangement that you need to look out for this. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a good example because that, that's going to happen to almost every designer that you get in a situation where you have a contract and you have payments coming in at, at regular in- increments and then all of a sudden something happens and they don't pay you on time. Don't let that slide too long because the longer you let that slide, the harder it is to deal with. Um, and you're right. At some point you may have to say to them, no, we're not going into the next month until you pay me for what you owe me. And you need to understand that if they are in trouble, you are acting as an outside operator. You're not someone on payroll. So if they ever declare bankruptcy or if they ever do something you know, where they don't have to fulfill their financial obligations, you'll be up a creek unless you're insured against those types of losses, which I am. Right. right. Um, so you need to consider all that stuff too. Another situation, and ironically I ran into it, this week, actually last week, I think, um, is saying no when you can't fulfill the work. I mean, a perfect example is somebody wanted, basically they came to me and said, you know, my website ranking isn't where I want it to be. The company I'm working with, with SEO has told me I need to worry about social media. I need to get involved with social media and I want you to help me with that. And I had a couple conversations with him and the the conversations I had with him, I was getting a sense that he wanted this solved in 30 days. He wanted this solved in 60 days. And it just got to the point where, again, seeing those red flags, which those, just so people understand that are younger designers, 
Seeing those red flags comes with experience. You may not see them. You may take on a client and you make it fit and you, and it may frustrate you. But the next time that happens, you'll see that red flag. That, that whole red flag thing comes with experience. Back to my story. So basically, he wanted to change his, his Google rankings faster than I necessarily could agree to. Like, I, I can't promise you that that's going to happen in – oh, I love it. That's funny. So Carl is holding up the uh, BS flag. It literally looks like a yellow flag from like a football referee or something. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's exactly what it was. Is like I started to listen to him, and, and I'm like, yeah, this is all – this isn't going to work for me and I'm going to get into a situation where I'm in over my head as to what his expectations are. And we and we talk about expectations and assumptions uh, in another podcast, which I'll link in the show notes. Make sure that you know what their expectations are. And if you know they're too high or they're too ridiculous, don't get yourself involved with that. So I, ironically, or maybe not ironically, helpful was that the guy who actually did his website design had sent me this client and I went back to him and said, here's the deal. I'm not comfortable with this. What is your experience with him? And let me know what you think. And so we had a conversation and it basically came to the realization that I had to say no. And so what I did is I said to him, here's the deal. You have these expectations as to what you want done. I don't feel that I can reach those expectations. I'm not set up to do what you need done. So I don't think I'm a good fit. So I basically turned the work away and I said, no, I'm not the one that you want to work with. Do I feel good about that? Absolutely. Because I could just tell there was something about this client that was going to cause me headaches down the road and it's just not worth getting involved. So sometimes you have to say no for a couple of reasons in this situation. There's something about the client that just doesn't feel right. And there's something about the project, the expectations of the project that are just outside of what you can handle and what you can reach. So it's important to do that and, and really realize that sometimes you do have to take a step back and say, I am not the right fit for this client. Let's also talk about time management. Sometimes you have to say no because you can't take the project on. Um, and this is what I'm learning uh, about the benefits of having other people that you can spin off work to. Um, so I'm going on vacation for a week, oh, basically a week and a half between wedding and uh, going to Scotland. And I'm setting all my clients up saying, you know, I'm going to be offline entirely. So I need to be able to integrate someone else to help do this work in my absence should needs arise. So I've tapped Jake to help me with one of my, bigger clients and I've tapped some other people to help just to launch some of the projects while I'm away too. I've got my friends, the art owls, which we'll link in the notes, um, who helped me with conceptual designs on some logos. And I have logos that I would love to come back to some concepts with. Um, and, uh, they do phenomenal work. If I give them the extra time, they're going to definitely, um, have stuff when I get back. So, It'll look like my company's still operating when I'm not there. But there are also times when I am doing the work and just too much starts coming in and I have to just spin off more of that work. Um, 
Yeah, and that's tough to do sometimes, especially as a, a sole proprietor. You you don't want to turn away work that is good work because you're too busy with something else. But there's only so much you can do, and you have to realize that it's good to have other people in place that you can connect with and trust to handle projects for you or with you. But yeah, there are times where you just have to say, no, this doesn't fit my time frame, or it doesn't fit their time frame. If you have somebody who comes to you and says, hey, I need a poster for an event this weekend, and it's Thursday night, sometimes you just got to look at them and be like, dude, no, like this isn't going to work. Like I don't have, I don't have that ability and you're crazy for asking for it to be done that fast. So be I think it really comes down to being honest with yourself, being honest with your potential clients or your existing clients, and just being true to what your boundaries are. Like, what are you comfortable doing? If you're not comfortable doing something, whether it's a time frame, whether it's something with the client just doesn't feel right, or whether the project isn't a fit for you, it is okay to say no. It really is. I, I find that a lot of people get tied up into this, well, I have to take everything. I have to do everything. And and I understand that. I was there for quite a while, and I, I was afraid that if I said no, the next project wouldn't be there. I don't want to promise you it will be, but I, I can tell you that it's a lot easier to say no than you than you think. It really is. It's a lot easier to say no. Don't you think? Don't you think it's it's easier as you get more experience to say no? Sometimes you want to include a small caveat of why you're saying no. Um, and you need that for yourself. You need that for your clients. You don't have to disclose it to your clients, but you need to be able to say, here's why. Um, now, and, and Sometimes it's not bad to disclose that to your client because... Right. They may come back to you later. So say, like I said, they have that poster. It's got to be done by the weekend, and it's it's Thursday night. Well, maybe the next time they're going to come back to you because they're going to say, hey, it's Monday, and you've got two weeks before I need that poster. Maybe that'll train them to say, hey, you know, I need to give this designer that I really want to work with more time. So sometimes it is good to give a client a reason, but you're right. You don't always have to. If you feel intimidated by a project, if you're hearing any of these warning flags, if you're out of time, those are times to say no. But there are also some times where you, you may be challenged in any of those things and you really should say yes. Um, and I'm thinking specifically maybe there's a project like uh, one of these clients that I've been talking to wants some video stuff as e-cards that are the celebration system for within their company. So if you did a good cool. job with something... They send the C card, and it's got a little benefit tied to it. Now, I don't do very much video. I do have access to all the programs. I've done some of it in the past, but I've also been working with Adobe Spark. So I do have the seed of knowledge that I need to be able to grow. So instead of saying no, I've said to my client, this is what I think it'll take. It's going to be a little bit of learning for me, and this is what the cost is. So instead of just... Uh, flat out saying, no, I've actually made this exception because I see an opportunity to grow. Yeah. And I think that, again, that's going back to being honest with your client and you, you do want to do that because you, you're growing with this project. You want them to be aware of that because if they're not comfortable with that, 
they may decide to go somewhere else and and you may not end up doing that project which is fine because you don't want to take that on hide the fact that you're learning as you go and have them get really upset when you might have a trip up somewhere and you're trying to figure out how to fix it being honest is really important again being honest with yourself and being honest with your clients that that is a big thing i think designers struggle with is being okay with saying no and being okay with being honest as to why they're saying no, whether it's internally or whether they're expressing that to your clients. It's, it's, it's a real, it's a challenge. It really is. It's a challenge when you're starting out to say no, because it scares you, but I can promise you that it's really worth it at times because you will find that there are some clients that you wish you had said no. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know I've had them. Yes, absolutely. That's true. So I think that covers saying no. So why don't we jump into our recommendations for this week? What do sure. you have? So since I'm traveling, we've been looking at traveling books, and we found that this Fodor's Travel, not Hodor, Fodor, <laughs> um, Essential Scotland um, is a great book. This is from a series of books um, that is very well scripted out for the places that you can visit. gives you places to eat, museums, things that are, are it gives you pricing and a good idea for that. Um, and it gives you a little bit of history about the spaces too. So since we're staying in Sterling and kind of going in each direction, um, we're trying to plan out our, our stay using this book. Very cool. And so then we'll- plugging it all into Travify, which I recommended a couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Well, it sounds like you're going to have a pretty cool trip, and I look forward to when you get back having maybe a whole podcast discussion of what it was like to travel over there. Yeah, and uh, you've got some potential uh, subs for me while I'm away because the podcast isn't going to stop while I'm gone, right? Right, yeah, I'm actually going to I'm – ha- I'm in discussion right now with Tawny to have her come on, the one that we interviewed a couple weeks ago – and she's the one that wrote the book, uh, The Client Attraction Mindset. I finally got that right. And uh, I'm hoping to have her on for two weeks while you're gone. And we'll have some discussions, some more discussions about the book and more discussions on what what brought about the book and what the strategy was with the book. Um, so, yeah, we're, I'm hoping to have her on. So I'll, we'll see what happens. If not, I'll, I'll end up recording something by myself real quick and we'll definitely have podcasts while you're gone. So my recommendation this week is another podcast. If you haven't figured out by now, I am totally a podcast junkie. So this podcast is called opt out and basically actually make sure that's the full name of it. Opt out life. Okay. That's the easier way to find it. I'll have a link to the, the actual site and a link to the podcast on in the show notes but basically what it is is it's a it's two guys that have basically started a podcast to talk about how they went from working nine to five and and having that daily grind to working to live not working just to work for money like figuring out how what they do can open up into a lifestyle a way of doing things rather than 
just having to go to work every every day and, and getting frustrated with that. So um, there's two gentlemen that are on the podcast, and they interview entrepreneurs, writers, things like that, that have figured out how to opt out, basically how to opt out of the nine to five. And a lot of them have started in the nine to five, and they've basically either had a side hustle or an idea that they wanted to do, and they pursued that and then eventually left their regular job and now pursue those things full time. Uh, I listened to one that was about a gentleman who um, wrote a book and then he moved to Sweden because his wife was originally from Sweden and they live over there and he's figuring out how not only to figure out how to take writing books and make that a full-time career, which he's pretty much doing. He does some consulting work for the creative industry still, but he's also trying to figure out how do we buy property in the U.S. so that when I have to travel to the U.S., I don't have to rent space or any of that stuff, but we also have a way to travel to the U.S. and maybe live there for a couple months. Because Sweden, obviously, it's it's gorgeous a lot of the time of the year, but it does get cold. And he said, I'd love to go back to San Diego where I was before for three or four months. So he's trying to figure not only he opted out of working nine to five and now lives in Sweden and writes and does that, but now he's trying to take it a step further and say, I want to travel back and forth. So, and then another one I listened to was about a guy who had kind of a rough upbringing and he's a shoemaker. And he's got this brand that he's trying to develop into a luxury brand. So his shoes are not cheap and they're, they're very, very nice shoes. And he talked about his rough upbringing and how he figured out this is something he wanted to do when he had a shoemaker make shoes for him. I think it was in Mexico. And then when he was in the, because he would actually travel to Mexico as part of, I think part of his delivery truck or something like that. And then he realized that he needed to find places in the U S to do shoes for him. So while he was working his delivery job, he would look for, shoe repair shops or shoe making places to walk in and say, Hey, you know, I'm interested in having these shoes made. Are you interested in working with me on this? So he took his regular job and found a way to do his side hustle while he was doing his job. So it's really about that. It's about figuring out how you escape the, the overwhelming boxed in mentality of a nine to five job and make the lifestyle that you want to make. So it's, it's a really good podcast. It was recommended to me by, my cousin, and I've really enjoyed it. I really have. So I will link to that in the show notes, and you guys can check that out. So is there anything else this week? I think I'll stand dealer. All right. <laughs> well, here's the deal. If you want to find out anything as far as our social media, any of our previous podcasts, the information for this podcast, you want to go to rookiedesigner.com. The show notes for this specific episode is rookiedesigner.com slash rd171 for episode 171. And I think that's going to be it for this week. Remember, everyone's a rookie before they're an all-star.